Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Another. It's all another. It's another episode. It's another episode of Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. That's what we do. We're podcasters. Yes, we podcast. And we podcast about true crime. We do. And guess what else we talk about baking? We talk about it. We actually do it. We do some baking. We actually eat it. We eat it because we're not dumb. Because we're not dumb. Yeah. Yeah. And all the while, we drink the tea. We are drinking the tea. Look. Clink. That's the clinking of our teacups. <laughs> Very fancy Yes, tonight we are drinking, because if you didn't know, <laughs> we're tea ambassadors. Yeah, we are. Tea ambassadors. That's Did you what we hear are. that? Are you listening? Lauren, are you listening? Tea everybody. ambassadors. Everybody out there, are you listening? Can you hear me? Yes, we're tea ambassadors for a lovely tea company out of Portland, Oregon called Plum Deluxe Tea. And I got to tell you, they are hitting a home run they with are. me, girl. Oh they are gosh. hitting a home run. Tonight, prior to our podcast, <laughs> I made a pot of strawberry immunity herbal tea. It is so good. It's elderberry, hibiscus, echinacea, apple pieces, black currant, Blackberry, strawberry, raspberry, strawberry leaf, strawberry essence, love, and gratitude. Did you say hello? Love <laughs> and gratitude. Yes. And there's zero caffeine, so oh. we should be okay after this. We should this be spot. a little toned down after this, <laughs> we should hopefully. should be, but there are no guarantees. I got to tell you, this tea is so it good, is so and I good. am not typically a fan of the hibiscus tea, because mm. it t tends to be a little overwhelming to me. Right. This is the perfect balance of it's, all of those flavors. Yeah, it's it delicious. is so good. So it reminds me of, remember those little strawberry hard candies we used mm. to get that looked like a strawberry in the wrapper and they had the the uh the little ridges on them and the middle of it was like a soft soft yeah that's yes. what it reminds me of the taste it's very it's true very delightful they are delightful and it's red our tea's red it is it is a titch red and yeah. i gotta tell you and my it's favorite color boosting our immunity <gasps> as Which we speak awesome. Awesome. yeah awesome. i can feel my immunity just boosting all over the place oh yeah Back off, flu. Me getting me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is really good, guys. And and we definitely, on our link tree and on our social media, we have the link. And we would love for you all to support us by supporting this company. And you can um, go on there and shop for some tea. They've got cute um, tea diffusers. They've got tea tins on their website. Cute mugs. Adorable mugs. Just really amazing stuff. Really great for the tea drinker. And the price is amazing. I can't get over how good the prices yeah. are. I always think it's a joke. Like, and if you're like a big fan, a big fan of tea, 
They've got a Tea of the Month Club, which is fantastic. Yes. That is only $10 a month. That's crazy. I mean, don't tell them, but I think their prices are yeah, low. they are very low. <laughs> that gives you no tax, free shipping. It's just $10 a month. Yeah, and it also gives you um, members-only discounts on their, on their website. Right. And um, you can cancel that anytime. Any but they time. always slip in a sample. I love that. And so... Um, when when we got our tea shipment this time, just yeah. a straight tea shipment, um, we each got a little sample we did. of herb, some herbal tea that was absolutely. My husband cannot stop talking about it, and he's not a huge herbal really? tea drinker. I haven't tried the sample, but I'll have to do he that. He loved it, and it actually got us two cups. That okay. sample was two teaspoons exactly. So I brewed two cups, and he 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 made me go online and buy an order of it. <laughs> Because he loves it so much. And for him to say he loves tea like that, that is very rare for him. Right. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. So if you want to support us, you need to click on the link that we provide. Yes. That's our affiliate link because we're tea ambassadors. Because we are affiliated. We're affiliates. We're affiliates. So, we're affiliates. Um, and then you place your order and we just get a little a little tiny piece of the pie. That's all we get. Yeah, we but, do. Um, every, every little, little bit. bit Help. Yes. Yes. So I took a picture tonight of this pretty little tea setup that Anne has for us today with her dainty little teacups and this beautiful glass um, tea infuser teapot. And of course, um, Farmer Katie's honey because oh, we are we all, love, we, we always put a titch of that. And I'm on my last jar. Me too. Katie. I hope her bees are busy. <laughs> me too. So, um, but. In the background is our very DIY sound box and rinky-dink mic, and it is a sad state of affairs. Yeah, we really you, need an upgrade, If guys. you ever wanted to see what we were talking about, <laughs> you need to look at this picture because it is it a sad, is sad so state of affairs. It is so sad. It's sad. We need an upgrade, definitely. This is, I mean, we bought this mic thinking we were going to use it four or five times and be done with we it. No we idea. paid $19.99 for right. it. And so um, now, you know, I think it's kind of, it's showing its age. Yeah. And it's in a box it's on a, top of a box. Yeah. And it's not, it's, and it's in a box that it's not meant to be in. No. Like this is a DIY, like I took shipping foam out of a makeup shipment. Right. You know, cosmetic from a cosmetic company. Yeah. And this box actually is supposed to be holding some, um, towels of oh, mine right. in my guest room yeah. in my guest bathroom and and it's not no it's so, <laughs> and the, the reason why we're we're kind of talking about this little is if you've noticed over the last week or so we've been running a campaign through a company called buy me a cup buy me a cup and yeah. through buy me a cup you can go on and you can buy us a cup of coffee or you can buy us more than one cup of coffee. Yes. We've had some folks buy us five cups of coffee. I know. And yeah. all of that money we're going to use to upgrade our equipment. Oh, we gosh, desperately we need, it so need a new microphone and we. We need, we need a, need a microphone stand that we does not require us to box. put it in a box. <laughs> so on top of a box. Right. Um, and with the foam from the cosmetic company. So, right. yeah. So, and it's a goal. If you feel like you want to do it, we've got the link It's out always there. nice. I mean, we need, we want to continue to put out really quality content as much as possible. And, sure. you know, it's not, we have a lot of it. It's just not, it's not free. No. And we'll Podcasting just go right ahead right now and say, Mary Patrick, you rock. 
Yeah, Scott Janie, and Janie. Janie and Scott, are y'all are phenomenal and phenomenal. amazing. And we appreciate your support, too. Oh, my no gosh. End. And then there's Lean Cuisine. Lean Cuisine. We there's Lean Cuisine. Cuisine bought us some coffee. We love Lean Cuisine. We don't know who Lean Cuisine is, but whoever you are, God bless you. Amen. <laughs> God I, bless I you. I just love, we're raising our tea glasses yes. to all of Cheers you guys that have supported us so far. Thank you so we much. So appreciate it. Yes. So, um... What so else I think you got? we've gotten housekeeping done. Oh, I, I do want us to give a shout out to our friends, Gwen and Joey. Oh, uh, Joey Johnson. <laughs> of Peanuts. Joey Johnson Farms. Joey Johnson Farms. Yes. Yeah, so um, they are high school friends of mine. I actually started at the school that I graduated from, and I started there in the fifth grade, and that's when I met them. Right. They were classmates. Um and then Joey and Gwen started dating, I want to say, in the seventh grade. That makes sense. And they've been together ever since. God bless them. I and they've mean, got the most beautiful family. They've got two girls. They've got gorgeous grandchildren. Yeah. He is salt of the earth. These are good old farming people. They are absolutely Americana. Oh, gosh, yes. And so the last time we were at the lake with our friends, Sandra and Greg, we met up with Joey and Gwen and... Joey had on, of course, his own T-shirt that said Joey Johnson Farms. And we, we hooted and hollered over it to the point that sweet little Gwen has sent us some shirts that are embroidered. Oh, my God. They with, are so... With the Joey Johnson Farms logo. I have Farm no logo. idea. No I idea. Know. So, thank you, guys. Thank you, Joey Johnson Farms and Gwen and Joey Johnson. Y'all we too absolutely much. adore you. Yes. And that was such a sweet little gift. And, of course... She she wrote the note that said girls. Girls. I love <laughs> And I miss that because that's what daddy used to call us. Yes. So, you know, we kind of miss being referred to as girls. Yes. Well, usually when people say girls, we're in trouble. So it was nice to get a gift from my girls. It was. It was very sweet. So, so thank yeah, you. thank you so much. It has been a great week. We are feeling the love. We are feeling the love, guys. And sometimes thank you. you just need it. Sometimes yeah. you just need to feel the love. It kind of gives us a little zhuzh, yeah. a little push to keep sure. going and stay motivated. Absolutely. So um, so we decided we're going to try a new little something in April. Not new as in we're doing something completely different, but we're going to add on to what we already do wonderfully. <laughs> mm, mm. Girl, my mouth was full of tea. When you said that, I almost spit it out. And that's quality tea. I don't want to yeah. be spitting it anywhere. We, we made a promise to our mother when we started this podcast journey that we would not talk about unsolved crimes. But we never told her that we wouldn't talk about missing persons. That's right. And so we feel like we have a platform. We have a voice that crosses the whole entire country, which still blows my mind. And then some. We're right. in like 50-some countries outside of the United States. And so anytime that we can ha give a voice to somebody that needs a voice, we want to do that. Absolutely. So we've decided that we are going to look at this missing persons case. I'm just going to talk about it. It's going to be very quick. Um, I'm not going to talk about the case behind it because then it gets into a whole rabbit hole and that's not where we're going. No, we just want to make people aware that there is... There are people that are missing and their families need answers. And they're desperate. And if you have yes. any information and you can be part of helping put that puzzle together for them, do it. Yeah, I think you uh, you automatically earn your angel wings when you do that. <laughs> I would hope so. I would hope so. So this case is actually out of South Carolina. It is out of um, Richland County, South right, Carolina, okay. um, Columbia. And this gentleman's name is Shelton John Sanders, S.A. N-D-R-E, no, E-R-S. 
I can't even spell when I'm looking at it. Um, he has been missing since June 19th, 2001. Wow. Yes. And the last place that he was seen was on Olympia Avenue in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, he was wearing a short sleeve shirt, khaki pants, and a specific watch. He had on a black Movado watch. Oh, nice. And they actually, I'm, I'm going to post the um, wanted, not the wanted. No, he's That's just so, he's I just got that. He's not wanted. His his family wants him. Yes, but he's, he's not wanted. He's missing. <laughs> Gee whiz. Boy, I hope I didn't make me, I mean, his mother just turned us right off. She's oh, like, I'm no. out of here. No. So anyway, um, I'm going to post his missing poster that she sent to me. There's okay. a $25,000 reward for any information um, right. that leads to um, this, the solving of this situation. Yes. So anyway, so to, take a look at it when we post it out there, share yes. it, forward it, do whatever you need to do with it, but just get it out there. So um, his vehicle has been found. His, his family says that they feel like because they've not had any contact with him, that he's probably deceased. Right, but still, they are trying to they solve just want the to case. Know what happened and where? Is and they it? are trying to locate his remains. Sure. And so that's what the twenty five thousand dollar reward for. You can always call Crime Stoppers, um, which is one eight 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 Crime SC. And then um, you can call the Richland County Sheriff's Department and talk to Sergeant Walter Daniels. Um, Anyway, the, they're still, like, the, the poster that she sent me was dated March 22nd, 2021. So, they're still putting posters up. Sure. They're still, they have billboards up. They they are still actively searching just because this case is 20 years old. That's 20 years of agony for them. Somebody has to know something. And we're hoping that somebody does the right thing and um, steps up and helps this family solve this issue. So, um, I will definitely share on our social media his missing poster and um all i can say is is all of our prayers and positive energy go out to um the sanders family 100 percent. yep 100 percent. and if you have somebody that you know that's missing or a, a missing person's flyer and you want to send it to us and have us talk about it on our podcast let Please us know we'd be happy to, to do us. it yes we absolutely will so, um, all right. So we've taken care of that missing person segment. Yeah. We've done our little bit of housekeeping. And now you're going to talk about what you're baking. I, tonight, I am baking. I hope it's something so, chocolate. It is. It is chocolate. These are marshmallow peanut butter brownies. Stop. You're talking right this I'm minute. not stopping. I'm not stopping. So I came across this recipe and it just looks so yummy. And the reason that I really stopped on it was not so much the peanut butter, but the fact that it's got marshmallow fluff in it oh, as well. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. So it's almost like a peanut butter s'mores type. It kind of is the way that the way that you structure this. It Yum. is so good. So I will tell you that I got it off of this website called Beyond the Butter. Oh wow. I know. And I mean, any it, that's like over the rainbow for me. Over Beyond the, the butter, right. it's the same thing as over the rainbow. <laughs> right. I mean, there's a pot of gold. Exactly. That's all that's left because yeah. it's so good. So um, anyway, this is, it, it takes three different bowls. So you mix things in three separate bowls. The only thing that I have to um, use the hand 
I call it the hand mixer. It's not. It's an electric handheld mixer. And we call it a beater. Or the electric <laughs> beaters. So I use the whisk attachment on that. Mm -hmm. And I use that on the peanut butter. You make a peanut butter. I don't want to call it a fluff. It's so like, you do the peanut butter in the marshmallow fluff? No. Oh, so you're going to whip it. So it's so, almost like whipped peanut butter. So it's peanut butter and melted unsalted butter and... Um, confectioner sugar and a little bit of vanilla and you oh, whip that yum. together and so what that comes out to is the consistency of when we make um, Buckeyes. Buckeyes, yeah, the peanut butter that balls. Is, yeah, the peanut butter balls. That's the consistency and that's the taste. Lord have so, mercy. And then everything else, I hand whisk everything else. You don't need it. You don't need anything else. And you've got dry ingredients, wet ingredients, and then the peanut butter. And then you've got your marshmallow fluff that you use at the end. Fantastic. So I'll talk about it as we go along, you know, during, after Anne's, um, Anne's little I can't wait to smell presentation. It. Yeah, so it looks, they look My really good. Did you call it a presentation? Yes, your presentation, your PowerPoint presentation. I've got a PowerPoint. Yes. yes <laughs> it's going to be gonna, hard for y'all to follow along, but, but try. You'll, you'll hear the clicking when she's changing this, or when she says to me, next, next slide. slide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, these um, these are sure to be yummy, yummy, yummy. I can't, can't wait. wait. Can't wait. Cannot. Buy me a Coke. Okay. All right. What's your murder about? I'm going to talk to you about my murder. Where is it? It's in Aniston. I'm back in Alabama. Girl, you love that place. I, that's only the second one I've done in Alabama. I feel like it was in a row. Yeah, this is that's why I said I'm back in Alabama. I think you never left. No, not since <laughs> next week. I tried to leave, yeah. but then somehow I found my way back. My. So, okay, all right, Alabama. And I like, you know me, I like to just clear things up right from the get-go and tell you that I got my information from latimes.com, lawjustia.com, and Murderpedia. Oh, dun-dun-dun. Yes, dun. and I made a little donation to Murderpedia because they're oh, good. always so good about yeah, providing, providing information. Yeah. That, that, I've made donations to them before, too. It's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. So, this is the story of the Hilly family. Hilly. Hilly? Hilly. H-I-L-L-E-Y. E-Y. Hilly. Frank and Marie. So, and her name is Audrey Marie Hilly, but she goes by Marie. Okay. Some people like their middle name more than their first name. I know. I don't know why I never went by my middle name. Well, some people do call me Barner, but... I know why I didn't. Yeah. Anywho... Frank and Marie Hilly were living the dream in Anniston, Alabama. They had two kids, a boy, Mike, and a girl, Carol. Mike and Carol. Oh, like the Brady's. Yeah. Frank and Marie got married in 1951. Frank was the breadwinner, and Marie was a stay-at-home mom. She was the homemaker. She was a homemaker. Frank was a gentle family man. Marie was a socialite. Oh. She was very into her appearance and her status. Mm. In 1962, they bought a beautiful house in an affluent neighborhood in Anniston, Alabama. The house costs, are you ready? $13,000. Oh, they are high rolling. $13,000, and Frank was making payments of $81 a month. Bless them. That was his mortgage. Yeah, and I mean, that was not a pittance. It mm -hmm. was it was. You know, it was fat money. I know, but I, when you think about the houses now and the mortgage payments and what people have to pay I for, it's I just don't like insane. To, I don't like it. 
So uh, Frank made pretty good money. He was a factory manager, but Marie spent it as fast as Frank could make it. Well, slow down, Marie. <laughs> My goodness, honey. By 1974, there was a financial strain in the house. The Hillies were living way beyond their means. Frank started playing poker at the local Elk Lodge. That's not the answer. Well, he thought maybe he could make some money. Maybe hit it big at the Elk Lodge poker night. Exactly. Okay, well, Marie wasn't nice. having it. She's just not happy about it. And uh -oh. she even went down to the Elk Lodge one uh -uh. night and strong-armed her way through the door and told Frank, you need to come home. Stop it. Frank, you need to get your behind home. Oh, no, Frank. You got called out in front of the poker yeah, buddies. Yeah. Frank was thinking he was going to make money, and Marie is embarrassed because it's not a good look for the family, she says. So money is literally tearing the family apart. But Marie was intent on keeping up appearances and told no one that they were having any kind of financial problems. Not a good idea. Mm. By late 1974, their son Mike was grown and ready to start a family of his own. He had moved out, you know, at the appropriate move-out time and had gone to school to become a pastor. Oh, nice. And now he was ready to come home and get married. And pastorize. Pastor, he's going to pastorize, <laughs> going to get married and pastorize. Mm -hmm. So um, he comes home and he asks Frank to be his best man for his wedding. I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. Unfortunately, Frank had been really sick. He had been losing weight. He had stomach problems. Oh, no. He couldn't keep food down. By May of 1975, Frank's illness gets worse. So he was able to attend the wedding, but he was really, really, really sick the day of the wedding. He almost oh, didn't gosh. make it, but he, but he toughed it out. Good for him. So he, go, Frank. May of 1975, he goes to his doctor, and his doctor diagnoses him with a viral stomach ache. Um, that's a weird diagnosis. I, know. I don't know what's happening. And Marie then takes on the role of caregiver because they send Frank home because you don't get admitted to the hospital for a viral tummy ache. You do not. So she's um, making sure Frank's got his meals and plenty of fluids and Aww. she's giving him the medicine and she's giving him an injection to learn how to give him an injection Oof. Um, that she said helped with the nausea and the pain. Mm. In May, on May 25th, 1975, Frank was admitted to the hospital. Mike rushes to be with his dad, but by the time he gets there, Frank is dead. Oh, that's sad. Marie allows the doctors to do an autopsy, and the autopsy reveals Frank died of hepatitis and kidney failure. Hepatitis? I know. That's more than right. a viral tummy ache. Exactly. Somebody missed something. Something's going on. Something's happening. Something is amiss. Mm. Marie gets a $31,140 life insurance payout from a life insurance policy. Well, that could have bought her two more houses. I know. But she also starts telling people that there are people after her because Frank owed some poker debt. Oh, the poker debt. <laughs> oh, and no. she's getting phone calls that are hang-ups and a note left on her door saying, we're going to get you. And from the Elks Lodge? <laughs> <laughs> Just from the Elks Lodge poker? Yeah. And then... I mean, I don't picture that as real high rolling, but maybe I'm misinformed. Well, as soon as it starts, it stops. It just stopped. Oh. It just... The, the, the phone call stopped. The messages stopped. Okay. Well, I guess away. they figured out 
You can't get money from a dead man. Maybe. And then for a few years, life at the Hilly House was good. I mean, minus Frank. Well, they had to move on with life, right? Okay. You can't just stop. you got to grow. Okay. Grief. I feel bad because so, Frank's not there. You know, and Mike has moved on. Oh, he's, he's pasteurizing. Pasteurizing and being a husband. Where's Carol? Carol's still at home. Okay. Carol is still at home. In 1978, as a matter of fact, she had been out to her high school prom. Oh. And she comes home from prom and is so sick she can barely get in the house. She is crawling into the house. Because you think she so has sick. a viral tummy ache? Well, she's having some stomach issues and some really bad nausea. So that she goes to the emergency room, but the doctors can't find anything. And her mother's thinking, well, she's probably drinking and smoking pot with her friends. And that's what's going on. But they well, keep that's her because nice. she's obviously very sick. Okay. So they keep her in the hospital. They, and, and Marie calls Mike and says, just want to let you know your sister's in the hospital. So as they're kind of trying to figure out what the heck's going on with Carol, a doctor suggests maybe this is a psychiatric issue. Maybe we've got some mental issues going on here and maybe we need to... Do some sort of... I mean, a, that seems rude. Uh, an evaluation. Gosh. Like, dramatic she, teenager type what of What was situation. she telling people in the hospital? Well, I, don't, I think that clearly she didn't feel well, feel well but they couldn't, they were, they couldn't see. They okay. couldn't tell that anything was wrong so with her. So you think it's all in your head, It's right? all a, a panicky girl issue, whatever. So, um, they decide they're going to do a mental evaluation on her. Okay. Yeah. In the meantime, Mike comes to town, and he starts talking to his mother, and his mother is distraught because she is up to her eyeballs in debt. Okay. And I don't think she intended for Mike to figure that out, but he came across a big stack of bills where she had owed a lot of money and wasn't paying a lot of money. She got $31,000 in life insurance. Well, this is three, three years later. Maybe she didn't... Um, she, she just may not be a good steward of her own money. Right. She didn't budget well. Okay. That, that happens. So Mike says, you know what? We're going to get this all straightened out. I will go with you down to the bank tomorrow, and we'll get it all worked out. Get it so straight. Because he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's a pastor. Yes. And he wants to help his mama. Of course he does. And, and you know, she's going to have a big hospital bill because Carol's in the hospital. Yes. So... Mike goes to bed. They get up the next morning, and Mike, Mike is sick. He got a stomach thing going on. He starts throwing up uncontrollably. It's violent. It's so bad that Marie has to take him to the hospital. Listen here. <laughs> Listen here. This is a really bad Lifetime movie. One. This is easy, easy peasy. They go to the hospital. They see the same doctor that's seeing Carol. Sure, and, she, and he, he says, says, "I'm just going to give you a shot." And you know, back then, if you had the flu and you were really sick, sometimes they did give you a give shot. you a shot in your booty and send you and on, send you on, right? Something for nausea. So that's what they did. And guess what? It knocked him right out. Oh, Lord. he went home and slept for the rest of the day. They didn't go to the bank. They didn't go to the bank. They did not go to that the bank. That is just something else. They got the tummy time, ache before it's time to go to the bank. And by the time he felt well enough to go to the bank, he 
It was time to renew a home. He had, had to go home. home. He had responsibilities. He had to pasteurize. He had to. He had, he had pasteurizing to do. And husband. He had to husband. He had to husband <laughs> and pasteurize. Yeah. But oh, goodness. Um, Carol's still in the hospital, and she she starts to get worse. So Marie starts giving her these injections to help her with her nausea. Right? Okay. Yeah. But she tells Carol, "Don't tell anybody," because. These are actually, this is medication that I got from a friend of mine that's a nurse. So um, I'll get in trouble if you... So it's completely legitimate. It's totally, yeah, 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 you know, a nurse. So by the time, by this time, poor Carol is malnourished and she's practically paralyzed. (gasps) No. And her doctor said he thought that Carol's illness was due to heavy metal poisoning. He said, this reads heavy metal poisoning to me. You know, her symptoms. And she was having a lot of neuropathy. You know, the nerve pain in her feet. Oh, yeah. Um, So she was in a bad way. Oh, my God. And this doctor says, I think we might have some heavy metal poisoning. So what do you think happens? The next day, Carol checks her out of that hospital. Well, I mean, and says, I don't you, like this hospital anymore. I don't like the way they're talking. We're going to another they're hospital. They're saying things that are bad. We're going to a hospital in Birmingham. So, well, see ya. we are. So, she gets Carol all checked in, settled into her room. And, of course, she's sitting by her daughter's bedside. The police come. What? The police come in and say, hey. 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 Hey, hey, hey. Hey, Audrey Marie Hilly. You, you, you're in trouble. You is in You're big in big trouble. trouble. Well, it turns out old Carol had been writing bad checks. Ah, uh, Carol. Carol had been passing along some bad checks. And don't you know, she had been writing them to the insurance company where she had taken out a life insurance policy on Carol. Can you imagine? Stop it right now. I mean to tell you. Way to go. Way to go, Marie. Marie, get your shit together. <laughs> so... Frank's sister, who's still around, calls Mike and says, hey, Mike, we got a situation. And she also says, by the way, I want to let you know that a friend of mine went by to visit Carol at the hospital and Marie was giving her an injection. And Mike just kind of froze and he was like, what the hell? So he hangs up with his aunt who says, you know, we got to get to the bottom of this. Something's not right. How about I got to get my sister and get the hell out of And he calls Carol and he says, hey, Carol, has mom been giving you injections? And at first Carol's like, oh, gosh, no. And then she says, yeah, she has been. Because, you know, Mike is like, you got to tell the truth because something bad's happening. Yeah. So he actually comes back and and she comes back and says, yeah, mom's been giving me these injections. So Mike, bless his heart, hangs up and calls the doctor and said, hey, I'm pretty sure that my mother is poisoning my sister. Ruh-roh. So the doctors all rush, 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 going into the into Carol's room, and they look at her fingernails and uh-huh. her toenails, and they've got uh, ridges in them or stripes in them that are, that's indicative of arsenic poisoning. Oh no! Arsenic poisoning. Arsenic. Arsenic. <laughs> It's not good news. It's not good that news. That is a bad thing, Marie. 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 What have you done, Marie? Marie, what are you doing? So then they take hair samples from Carol, and they go in and they test it. I think it's really interesting with this test because they look at the amount of arsenic 
on the hair close to the scalp mm-hmm. compared to it the at the long, end. At the end, uh, right. Overall, Carol has 50 times more arsenic than a normal human has in their body. That's crazy. Um, and they could tell from the hair shaft that over the last four to eight months, the amount had increased, meaning that Marie kept up in the dose, up in the dose. Yeah, because she's dose. like, what's it going to take to take you out, Carol? Right, I got to get that $25,000. I have bills. Policy. I have bills. I need new dresses. So Mike then, after he's called the doctor, hangs up and says, holy crap. My dad. I got to call the coroner. Calls the coroner and says, hey, I think my mom killed my dad. I'd like to have my dad exhumed. Oh, my gosh. I go, Mike, yes. He's a great guy. I know. I know, because he's a pastor. He is. I'm looking at him pastorizing. Like I don't a, know if he ever like a pastoral, finished that whole pastor thing. I listen, didn't get he's a, a pastoral superhero. Yes. That's what yes. he is. So, as Mike is talking to the coroner, Frank's sister... Uh huh. She goes over to Marie's house and she starts cleaning because she's like, you know, Marie's not coming back. We need to get things in order at the house. No, we don't. Why not? I don't know. If you think somebody's poisoned somebody with arsenic, you're going to want to find the arsenic. Oh, so she's looking for arsenic, not cleaning. I think she went under the premise of. Oh, thank you very much. Okay. (laughs) And then we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Because she doesn't maybe want to be thought of as a, I'm going to go over there and see what I can find. Okay. Now, we have a reputation to protect. Yes, we are prim and proper. Anyway, um, as she's cleaning out some cabinets, she comes across this green bottle filled with liquid. And at first, she even thinks to herself, oh, I just need to pour it out and throw it away. And then she kind of stops and she's like, oh, no, I need to put this in my purse and take it to the police. Yeah. <laughs> she takes Good call. It to the, she Good takes call, it sister. to the police and... The police lab tests it. It comes back. Bam, it's arsenic. So now we know 100% Marie is poisoning her people with arsenic. And going through money like it's freaking water through a sieve. I mean, on November 9th, 1979, Marie, wait, at this point, Marie's charged with, she's already in jail for the bad checks. She's charged with the attempted murder of Carol. Okay. We don't have the results back on Frank yet. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, I got ahead of myself. You really did. On November 9th, 1979, <clears throat> excuse me. What the? Oh, well, I live in pollen land. I know, it's so, awful. So, and taking my dog out 5,000 times a freaking day. Way to go, dog. Gets pollen everywhere. So, anyway, sorry. So, somehow or another, Marie's attorney gets her out on bond. Nuh-uh. Yeah. Evidently, you can get out on bond if you attempted to murder your daughter. Yeah, because it's just your daughter. So it took three She's months. She's no threat to the community. They do her no good if they're dead. It's true. Yeah, true. It's <laughs> very true. Yeah. So three months later, Frank's new autopsy results come back, mm-hmm. and the poor man is laced with arsenic. Oh, my Frank. God. Oh, Frank. Poor guy. Hair samples show that he had been given arsenic for months before he died. Oh, uh, yeah. And again... Smaller dose, larger dose. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, the police say, hey, we need to go get Marie because she's an arsenic-killing lady. She's an arsonist. Yes. <laughs> she's an arsonist. Right. Not arson. Not arson. She's an arsenicist. She's an arsenicist. <laughs> yes. An arsenicator. I think that's a great word, arsenicist. <laughs> <laughs> so, police go to pick old Marie up. 
and charge her with Frank's murder. But go figure, Marie is nowhere to be found. Really? She She's not there. She didn't stick around. She did. She did she's not. She's not sitting in her house. She's not sitting there waiting. She's not waiting, waiting for, for them. Mm-mm. No. Dang. So then they get the FBI involved in the whole situation. Ooh. Well, Marie never once reached out to anybody that she'd known before. Nobody. She literally disappears for three freaking years. Are you kidding? Three years. Three years. Some people said four, but the court documents said three. So I'm going with three. Okay. So she's placed on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. Shut up. I'm not this even joking. Maker. Yes. Yes. Wait, I'm, we'll post this later, but I actually have a picture of the wanted poster. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's very funny because she's got a bouffant hair oh, style. And yeah. Mm-hmm. That is so funny. Well, the FBI agent in charge for three years looks, 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 nothing, nothing. Dead ends, nothing. And he just, lo and behold, gets a call one day from a guy in Vermont that says, Hey, I think we got Marie. Oh. <laughs> I think I got somebody you're looking for. I think I got for. somebody you're looking for. Well, Marie had taken on a whole new identity. Oh. She dropped a bunch of weight and dyed her hair blonde. Well, you go, girl. I know. Blondes do have more fun. And she had taken on the name of Terry Martin. Terry Martin. Right. Terry Martin. So, they have to sit with her for a while before she actually decides she's going to confess and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, it's me. It's Marie. It's Marie. It's me. It's me. I'm the, I'm the I'm Marie. I'm the Marie. Right. I'm the arsonistist. Arsonist. Arsonicist. I'm the arsonicist <laughs> that you've been looking for. Yes. She's very quickly sent back to Alabama because Vermont's like, get, get, get. Yeah. She goes, she's formally charged with Frank's murder and... They do a very speedy trial, and she is sentenced to life for Frank's murder. Okay. Plus 20 years for the attempted murder of Carol. Okay. Okay? I didn't see where they tacked on anything for the bad checks, but maybe A she, lot of times they're just like, what's the point of that one? Or skipping a parole or yeah, anything whatever. like that. So, but maybe, maybe there was something in it, I just didn't see it. Could be. Well, I guess back in the 1980s, Alabama was giving out day passes. They call it furloughs. Oh, no. Come on, Alabama. (laughs) To their model prisoners. No, you're not a model prisoner if you murdered. Well, you can't. You you cannot qualify. all the rules in prison. I don't care. (laughs) That's because in prison, there was nobody there with a life insurance policy with her name on it as the payee. You're exactly right. Yeah. Again, not not a problem for the community. She's a problem for the people around her that are related to her. Well, listen. For whatever reason, Marie got a couple of passes, and she was always this is a really woman good. That skipped bail and went on the lam for three she, years. But she would go out and she would come back in, and she would go out yeah. and she would come back in. And then in. what happened? And then in February of 1987, Marie scores a three-day pass so she can visit with her husband because she had gotten remarried while she was on the lam. You've got to be shitting me. No. No, so she and her new husband, John, get a hotel, a motel room. Why not a hotel? It was a motel room. Motel there, six. They're in Addison, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, they spend the, their passionate night together, and the next day John gets up and goes to do his thing for a couple of hours, and he comes back to his beloved, and he has he gets an I'm sorry note. I'm sorry for leaving Dear you. John. I hope that you... Um, I understand, but I'm on the run. That you'll forgive me, but I want to start my life over. Yep. Oh, Marie is on the run again. Good job. Marie uh, Everybody involved in Marie's run. life, good job. <laughs> exactly. Way to go, Alabama. Good grief. Well, this time, Marie, she didn't have much of a plan. She didn't have much of a plan, and you know it's February. Even though it's in Alabama, it's still cold. Mm -hmm. And it was a it was a very rainy few days. Okay. So she was so only her missing. Fell. She was only missing for four days. Oh. They found her soaking wet, covered in mud, and incoherent, laying out on somebody's back porch. What the heck? Mm -hmm. She'd been through the swamp. I guess she just didn't have a plan of where she was going, so she hid out in the woods. Just walking around in the I mud. Yes. They rushed her to the hospital where she later died from hypothermia and exposure. Good night, Marie. Oh my goodness. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Dumbass Marie. Dumbass prison system and your furloughs. What the hell? You don't furlough a person who no. has gone on the run and evaded police. You just don't. Just don't. Just don't do it. Look at the crime. I understand. Yeah, I understand model behavior. But figure out what the hell put her there. Exactly. My God. My God. My gosh. Yeah. Well, that's that's bonkers right there. That's a bonkers murder. So just in case you're wondering, Carol Hilly made a full recovery from her poisoning. Good for her. I did see an interview. I didn't watch any shows on this one, but when I went and searched for her, I guess she, they must have done an episode of Snapped. I've never, I didn't watch any of the TV shows on this one, but okay. they did a, there was on the internet, there was a Snapped exclusive or extra whatever video and it was a video of her as an adult talking about her recovery it took uh -huh. her about a year and a half she said to get the feeling back in her feet wow. so but she was well enough to testify at her mother's trial there are lots of pictures oh, of her going good. into the courthouse and she did testify against her mother good her mother was on trial so there that you was go good. Yeah. that's what you get marie i know mother's day is coming up don't act uh, like that uh, 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 uh. you will never get be one eight hundred flowers on that day if you try to poison your children. Be a better mother than Marie. Be a better anything. Just <laughs> that's not really a far reach. All right. So how are your brownies going? It smells delightful in my kitchen. Well, they're in the oven. I smell them. Okay. So I'm just going to tell you what I did real quick. So you did some whisking. I did whisking um, a couple times. I had three different bowls. So the first bowl, like I said, I had. Melted butter, peanut butter, vanilla, confectioner blah, sugar, blah, blah, confectioner right. sugar, and that made the, the peanut butter fluffy the and light. The peanut butter ball filling. Yes, and then I had um, a bowl that had my, um, I had a bowl that had flour, salt, and baking powder in it, and I whisked those all together. Mm -hmm. And then I took my large, my four large eggs, regular sugar, brown sugar, some canola oil, mm. A um, little bit more vanilla, unsalted butter, and not the unsalted butter, the vanilla. And so I did all those together, the eggs and the sugar, the oil, and a little bit of vanilla. Right. Then on top of the stove, I took eight ounces of bittersweet 
chocolate chopped. Well, I couldn't find a bittersweet chocolate bar. So I got some Ghirardelli bittersweet chocolate chips. I mean, they worked just as well. And I had 10 ounces, not eight. So I just dumped them all in there. I think that's a great plan. You add some, your unsalted butter to it. And then you melt those together, which is really nice. Mm. And then once that's melted together, you add in some cocoa powder. Right. This calls for Dutch processed cocoa powder. I didn't have that. I just had some Toll House regular old cocoa powder. That's what I used. Right. So... And then you take your, so once your chocolate is melted, you pour it into the sugar egg mixture and you whisk it together until everything's kind of dissolved. Mm -hmm. And then you put your flour in it and you whisk all that together until it's all like blended together and you don't have any lumps, but it didn't take much. So no lumps. No, no, no lumpity lumps. No lumps. So I had um, a 13 by nine pan. Mm -hmm. And I put parchment paper in it, and I sprayed my parchment paper mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So then I, you pour your batter into your pan, all of your batter. And then you take um, globs of marshmallow fluff and globs of your peanut butter mixture, and you just plop them on the top. Mm -hmm. And then you take your knife, and you kind of keep swirling back and forth and get it marbled. Right. Now, the marshmallow fluff does not go in there as easy so next time I will do smaller plops of the marshmallow fluff. Oh. I think I overused the marshmallow fluff a little bit. So it was a little bit difficult to get that to swirl, but I just kept working it. Right. And then I swirled it all together, popped it in the oven, and it's baking for about 22 to 25 minutes. I'm so excited. So, um, and then when it comes out, you just cool it. And the nice thing is because it's in parchment paper, once it's nice and cool, you just lift that whole parchment paper out. And you put it on a cutting board, and then you can cut your brownies really nice. Yeah, I think that's the best way to go. I do, too. And the cleanup is so much easier. So um, the the brownie mixture itself is so good. It's oh, just yummy. It's very yummy. did a big yummy. Yeah, you did. Just, I'm boring the hell out of no, them. No, just out of curiosity. Um, just out of curiosity. Mm -hmm. Now that you've made it, and it's in the oven... If you needed to shortcut it, could you use an already made brownie mix? Because it sounds like you're making brownies well, and then could. swirling in your stuff. You could do it that way, but I like brownies made from scratch. Well, I, I think too, they just, just taste so good. But if you want to do a like, semi-homemade oh kind of a right. thing where I'm going to shortcut this because right. then get make some brownies and then do your... Your peanut butter. Your peanut your, butter and, and confectioner your, sugar and all that right. kind of crap. And then your marshmallow fluff and kind of swirl it together. If that's what you want to do, you can. Yeah. But I enjoy a, a I think there's such a huge difference in brownies that are made from scratch. I agree. And so as, and they're not that as, it's not difficult. As long as you want to make them, I'll yeah, eat it's them. not difficult at all. So um they're baking at 350 right now. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, so. while they're baking, do you have something you want to tell me? I, I want to tell you about this murder. Okay. And it is, it is, I'm just going to tell you up front. First of all, mama, I am going to cuss like a sailor and you're going to have to be okay with it because this one is, this is a rough one. Do I need to pour myself a glass of wine? Yes. Oh. I would ahead. definitely pour yourself a glass of wine and mayhaps I could have some water. Oh, sure. I'd be happy to get you water. I appreciate that. Um, this one, when I was researching it, and I I used so many different um, websites, I can't even tell you. I had probably 20 different windows open at one time. 
Um, I did refer to Murderpedia, but I, I used a lot of local newspapers from this town and then some like CBS News, NBC News, that kind of stuff, some articles like that. So, um, and I did have to take a few breaks while I was researching this murder because it was pretty rough. Jesus. So, I'm just going to tell you, it's a rough one. So, everybody, buckle up. Put your big girl panties on. I'm this is rough. Large glass for the wine. Yeah, and Mama, I'm just going to say up front, I'm very sorry about the cuss words I'm about to use because this is a motherfucking mind blowing <laughs> motherfucking oh, no. case. I'm just going to tell you. So I'm going to wait till you get over here because I just need you. I need to look you in the eye. Oh my gosh! Here I go. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about Shasta Grown. Okay. Okay? Shasta lived in, and I'm going to massacre the name of this town, and I say it more than once, and so I'm just going to say I'm sorry, Idaho. I'm sorry. Idaho. Idaho. It's Cordeline. 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 All right. Okay, so she lived in the Cordeline area of Idaho. She lived with her mom, mm -hmm. her mom's fiance, and two older brothers, a 13 year old and a nine year old. On May 15th, 2005, Shasta, who at the time was eight years old, mm -hmm. um, it was in the evening. She's in bed and she heard her mom call her name and said, Come out to the come out here to the living room. Okay. So she gets up, and what she walks into is a very confusing scene. It's actually a nightmare. Okay. But she's awake. There's a strange man standing there, and her mom, her fian her mom's fiance. I'm gonna say it's her stepdad. They weren't married yet, but that was the role that he played in her life. Her 13 year old brother Slade. They're all tied up with zip ties. Shasta and Slade, I love it. I know, yes. So before she could really comprehend what was happening, this strange man picks up her and her nine-year-old brother, Dylan. Oh. And he takes them outside where he ties them up and leaves them on the ground next to their swing set. It's in the middle of the night. Oh. It's dark. And then he goes back inside. Moments later, laying there in the dark, she hears her stepdad yell out, and then she sees her brother Slade stagger outside, bloody and dazed. Oh, God. She and Dylan start to yell at Slade to, come, come, we're over here by the swing set, come untie us, come untie us. He falls on the ground, and he's unresponsive. So he's tied them to the swing set? He has tied them up. By the swing set. They're not tied to the swing set, but their but hands and their up. feet are okay. tied up. So they can't get up and run. They can't get up and run. Gotcha. And he's got them laying down, and they can't move. Okay. So, um, she, so she sees Slade come out and falls to the ground, and he's unresponsive and can't come help them. So the next thing is this strange man comes out of the house and puts Shasta and Dylan into a truck and drives away. Oh. Yeah. So on May 16th, the next day, Sergeant Brad Maskell is his name, Mas Maskell or Maskell, like rascal, um, of the local sheriff's department. He was off because it was his birthday. Oh. And he gets a phone call saying, you need to come into work. He thinks it's a prank. Oh, right. You know, because that's what they do. They prank each other. But this was not a prank. It was a nightmare. So 
the bodies of a triple homicide had been discovered at the grown house. These people had been bludgeoned to death with hammer, with a hammer. Oh my gosh. Yes, and it is a bloody mess. And as they start to process the scene, they figure out there are two small children that are missing. Mm. Shasta and Dylan. Shasta's eight, Dylan's nine. Mm. Little babies. Yeah. So meanwhile, Shasta and Dylan are riding away from their home with this monster. Yeah. And this monster's name is Joseph Edward Duncan III. And he is evil incarnate. Sounds like He it. is the devil here on earth. So I'm going to give you a little bit of history of Mr. Duncan. He was born February 25th, 1963. He was number four of five children. Pretty normal home. I think that's the brownies. Okay. I'll get those. So you can get those out. So in 1978, at the age of 15, um, Duncan stole a car and led police on a chase. And so when he was caught, he was sent to one of those boys' ranch programs oh, yeah, for deviant behavior. Oh, wow. But I don't think it worked because at age 16, he stole guns from a neighbor's house. This is January of 1980. And with that gun, he forced a local 14-year-old boy to perform oral sex on him at gunpoint. Jesus lovers, I'm, I'm bringing the brownies. We're just going to get another <laughs> piano but I can't take it. He says, well, the gun wasn't loaded, but I personally don't believe it. So he <sighs> pleaded guilty to first degree rape at the age of 16. Oh my God. He's sentenced to 20 years. Yeah. Suspended sentence. Oh no. So I he, hope. <laughs> yeah. What did you he do? He is placed into a. Um, and he's actually, at this point, he's not in Idaho. He grew up in the Washington State area. Okay. He's placed into a sex offender treatment program. Okay? All right. I mean, what else do you do with a 16-year-old? So, in March of 1982, he gets kicked out of the sex offender rehab program. He gets kicked out because he had snuck off and he was um, peeping in windows of women. Oh, my God. So, they kick him out. Why wouldn't you make him stay longer? Exactly. He So he says he wanted get, to get kicked out because he claims that he was protecting his mother from one of the therapists there who was a predator oh, and was forcing his, was going to, was going to force his mother to have sex with him so that he would go easy on Duncan. Mm. But I don't believe that for two seconds. So now he is sent to prison. Okay. Okay. Finally, he's sent to prison. Well, something's going on. It's 2005. Okay. In September of 1994, okay? Okay. He is paroled. Great. So, he has actually, at that point, he had served 15, 14 years between his suspended sentence and, you know, his sex offender status program and then the time he did in prison he served his 14 years right because he started at the age of 16 exactly so and so he goes and, and he settles in the seattle washington area mm. so in july of 1996 duncan this is what what james duncan says he did and the reason i know this is because james duncan the third ha has a blog. Excuse me? That's what I said. 
And I'm not going to tell you what the freaking hell the name of the blog is, but he's got a fucking blog. You're telling me today he's got a blog. There's a blog out there. Okay. So Duncan says that he kidnapped, raped, and killed two half-sisters ages 9 and 11 um, in the Seattle, Washington area. He actually never gets charged with those crimes. So, but he does say that these were his first murder victims. So now he's got a taste for murder. October of 96, his parole is revoked due to um, marijuana use in a possession of a firearm. Mm. Um, instead, of, <laughs> instead of sending him to prison because his parole was revoked, mm. they have a hearing and they, they reinstated it with harsher conditions. Oh. That he's not following right. to begin with. Right, he's not following the rules. So, so we're just going to make them worse. Worse rules and then see what happens. And we'll just, I'm sure he'll follow them now because now he knows we're serious. Yeah. So um, Duncan stopped reporting to the parole officer altogether and went on the run. I'm sure he did. April 1997. Isn't this funny? We both dealt with people that went on the run from we parole. We did indeed. The frig. So in April 4th, 1997, he ends up in Beaumont, California. And he comes across 10-year-old Anthony Martinez. He rapes him and kills him. And nobody knew it was him right away. As a matter of fact, Anthony went missing and the case went cold. Oh, my gosh. August of 1997, the FBI arrests him for parole violations again because he had not been, you know, reporting for parole. He had went on the lam. And so the FBI, how funny is that? FBI, FBI. I know. The parallels. So he's sent back to Washington to go to prison. While awaiting his hearing on his parole, he gets visits from this man named Dr. Richard Waxman. And this is a doctor from Fargo, North Dakota. Fargo? Yes. Fargo, North Dakota. out on the lamb. um... Mr. Duncan met Dr. Waxman at a bar, and they become friends. Okay. So then Mr. Waxman goes... Mr. Dr. Waxman? Mr. Wack, wacky Man. <laughs> he, he goes from Fargo to um, the Washington area to go visit with him, because they're friends. Like, who doesn't visit with your friend when he's awaiting his parole hearing, right? Yeah, okay. So, in December of... 97, there is a parole um, hearing, and Waxman actually shows up to tell the board that if you'll let Duncan, Mr. Duncan, Duncan is his last name, okay, if you'll let him out, he can come live with me, my wife, and my children in Fargo. Well, that makes perfect sense. And the the board denied. Okay. Okay. Thank God. I'm like, what kind of a a, a hobo story are you telling? It's wacky. So, in July of 2000, Duncan is released from prison because he had hired an attorney that went back and said, hey, you all never gave him credit for time served as a juvenile. Oh, my gosh. So he gets early release. And Dr. Wacky Man sends him a one-way plane ticket to Fargo, which, according to Duncan's blog, started the best times of his life. Of course. This monster is on. He's unleashed out in the population. So in Fargo, he gets an apartment with the help of his Dr. Wacky Man. He registered as a level three sex offender, and he he betters his friendship with Dr. Waxman. Okay. 
What is a level three sex offender? Well, I'm going to tell you. Great. They are highly likely to offend again within the community. Mm. They have past sex crime convictions and other crime convictions. They are predators. They have predatory characteristics, and their victims are unknown and usually pretty random. Just the type of guy you want in your neighborhood. Well, the Fargo police actually hold the first ever sex offender notification town meeting to warn the public about this man. Right. So, in 2004, Duncan actually officially starts his blog. So, July of 2004, there is a sexual assault of a six-year-old boy and an attempted molestation of an eight-year-old boy on an elementary school playground in Becker County, Minnesota. Minnesota. And in March of 2005, Duncan is arrested and charged with the molestation. He goes to court. He Please, has a, let's make sure we let him out. There's a court appearance Please, in April, uh, uh, April 2005. There's a court appearance, and his bond is set, and he needs to come up with $15,000. Oh, did Dr. Waxman pay it? He writes a check, and there's a local businessman, not Dr. Waxman, another man that he has befriended, oh. who says, I'll cover it. I got you, man. I got you, man. You're a child rapist. I got you. I got you. Because they're probably child rapists themselves. I nowhere in here does it say that, but they gotta be there's got there's something missing Correct. in their morality map. Correct. So eight days later, Duncan goes shopping at a Walmart. He buys night vision goggles, a camcorder, videotapes, a radar detector, and a car battery. My goodness. A week Was he later, putting on a skit? Mm, a week later, May 2005, there's a nationwide arrest warrant sent out for Duncan. Which brings me, oh, in May of two, May 13th of 2005, he blogs that he has encrypted his journal to the point that it will not be broken into for decades. Oh, wow. The authorities will never be able to get into my journal. Okay, because you're that brilliant. So, that was May 13th. Three days later, May 16th, is when he kidnaps Shasta and Dylan after killing their family. My first murder happened in May, too. Uh-uh. It did. It's crazy. So, he takes Shasta and Dylan to a remote campsite in Montana. We're all over the place. Yeah. Along the way, they stop at several other campsites where he sexually assaults and physically and mentally tortures these children. Hmm. They're eight and nine years old. Yeah, it's sickening. He re drinks some wine. Oh, your wine's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to do. Oh, drink another. I just need to drink get the, the bourbon. <laughs> it, it was dark. I had to. I just had to take breaks. But I just feel like it, this is a story that has to be told. So um, he actually records with his camcorder many of the incidents of him assaulting these children and. He also told them that he had tracked and stalked their family for days before breaking into their home. Why? He just a random act of violence. He knew he he I guess followed those two kids. He knew he wanted those two kids for whatever reason, and it was it was like hunting for him. Oh my God, he had bought um, shoes that were two sizes too big, so that when he left footprints in the in the 
You know, he's, a, he's an old pro. He, he knows, bought BB he knows guns what they're gonna and have shot in the dogs and, and silenced the dogs <gasps> with BB guns. He was, he was tracking them. He was hunting them. He ends up having these children for 48 days oh my God. of absolute torture. Then one day in Montana, Duncan shoots and kills Dylan after torturing him. Shasta witnessed it. Duncan would eventually claim it was an accident, but he recorded it. Well, I accidentally recorded my accident. Mm-hmm. And forensics would also prove different from what the story that he tells. Right. So Dylan was first shot in his stomach. And as he lay on the ground begging for his life, this nine-year-old begging for his life, this asshole motherfucker puts a 12-gauge shotgun to his head and pulls the trigger in front of his sister. Wow. And she's eight. Jeez. And he was nine. And Duncan doesn't give a shit. So for some reason, Duncan decided at that point he really wants Shasta to meet his mom. So they're going to start making their way back towards Washington State. Well, one night, in the middle of the night, they stop at 1.30 a.m. for a meal at Denny's. Mm. Because I won't say what I was going to say because it's bad advertising. So they just happen to stop in the area of Coeur d'Alene. Oh. That town was going crazy trying to find these kids. Of course. There were posters Everywhere. Oh, so he's basically come back to say, I've got her. I've got her and you can't get me. Mm -hmm. Because it's 1.30 in the morning. Well, thank God there was a waitress in that Denny's and she recognized Shasta and she called the police. And the manager and the waitress of this Denny's keep Duncan busy and distracted so he doesn't leave. And finally the police show up and they arrest him. And the waitress asks Shasta, honey, where's your brother? And Shasta says, he's in heaven. So on July 14th, um, well, sorry, July 8th, Shasta had been, of course, rushed to a local hospital. Right. She leaves the hospital in the custody of her father because. Right. The other guy says, right, stepfather. Right. Yes. And um, the whole entire town is absolutely rejoicing that they at least got this one kid back. Right. This whole entire family is just wiped out. Right. And it's this small area. It's this rural town. And they were just. There were prayer vigils almost every day for these kids right. trying to figure out. And at the same time, they're burying these three people that were slaughtered. Right. And they had no idea what happened, where these kids go, who took them, who did this. Right. So um, on July 14th, little Dylan's bones are found in a remote campsite in Lolo National Forest in Montana where he had been killed and left. So Shasta provides authorities with crucial details of what she went through. She told them that Duncan had almost killed her one day, and while strangling her, she called him by the nickname that he liked to be called, which was Jet. Oh, God. And because she called him that, he stopped strangling her, and that's kind of when he decided, you probably need to meet my mom. Oh, my God. So, um, she also said that Duncan told her about killing the two sisters in Seattle, mm-hmm. and um, their bodies actually had been found in 98, and they're case had gone cold. Um, He also told her about the rape and murder of this boy in California. And that case had also gone cold. So the state of Idaho charged Duncan with killing the three grown family members. Okay. 
um, the kidnapping and rape of Shasta and Dylan and the murder of Dylan was charged in the federal court because right. he had crossed so state many lines. state lines. Right. So many. So, and he had committed crimes in every one of those states with those children when he stopped. Like, it was just awful. So, the evidence that was presented in the case was so horrific that jurors were offered therapy. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm going to need therapy. It's it's just sad. So, he actually received three life sentences without the possibility of parole from Idaho for those killings. Then he was sent to... Idaho doesn't believe in the death penalty? At that point, they knew that the federal courts were going to push for the death penalty. So they were like, listen, it's going to be, it'll be quick if we just get him in there and get him charged life without parole because we feel like the federal is going to hang him or is going to get him for the death penalty. So then he is sent to um, California and he's tried there for the murder of Anthony Martinez. And he gets another life sentence without parole from California. So that's four. So now he goes to federal court. In federal court, the evidence there was even more horrific. And they actually played tapes that he had recorded of him assaulting and torturing the children. And they had to watch the murder of Dylan on the recordings. So this was so bad that the jurors were offered therapy during the trial breaks and after court sessions every day. Oh my God. Can you imagine being on that jury? No. The foreman, there was an interview in one of the newspapers with the foreman, and he said, I've never been the same person since then. No. Never. And he said, I'm going to tell you, I don't just, he said, I went home and I, like the security of my children became my mission in life. And he said, not just my children, everybody's children, because I figured out I could spend all my time keeping my kids safe. But if my neighbors didn't do the same thing, it could happen to them. Right. And he said, I couldn't, I could not think of anybody going through what these kids went through. Right. It was horrifying. So, and so he gets the death penalty for killing Dylan and he gets the death penalty for the kidnapping and the, uh, the torture of the children. So he gets two or three death penalties on top of all the other stuff that he's gotten. So. March 28th of 2021, mm-hmm. that was just a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. Mr. Duncan died of brain cancer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He oh, was, my gosh. He was in an Indiana prison at the time, and he got brain cancer. How did he get to Indiana? Stage, well, because when you're, it's a federal prison, so you got to go. Well, he's federal on death row. Couldn't we put him somewhere other than Indiana? Why? Somewhere really bad. I just don't think there's a bad enough place for him. I mean, can we ship him to Indonesia? I don't know where to put him. Like, I don't know. Go put him in a in a jungle Alcatraz. somewhere. I, I don't even think that's good enough for him. I'm mean, bad enough for him. It's too good for him. Well, he's dead now. So anyway, he dies in prison. So now I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Shasta and what her life has been like. So she has written a book called Stolen in the Night. Oh, good. I can only hope that she's a gazillionaire from it. Oh, me too. I think that we should all go buy it. I don't think I can read it, but I want to just go give her money. And so if we all buy the book, on, it's on Amazon. I looked up, looked it up. So go buy it. And then don't, I don't care if you read it or not, but at least Shasta gets money. So she became famous for being a tragic victim in her hometown. Her father kept her in the same area where he lived, and he wanted her surrounded by family. Um, She had a really difficult 
childhood. I'm sure. She just wanted to be anonymous and normal. Right. Um, she fought body image issues, drinking, drugs in her teens. She really just got fucked up from this. Yeah. I don't know how you can't be. I really don't. So, um. Did anybody call Dr. Phil? I just wish they would. <laughs> so in, um, in 2014, she actually got sent to juvie for 12 months for drugs. And she said it was the best thing that happened to her because it saved her life. Right. Um, in 2018, she actually went on probation for unsupervised probation for a year um, for endangering the life of her one-year-old and her one-month-old children by leaving meth in close proximity to them. Right. So, um, and then she violated that probation. And when she went to court, I mean, thank God the judge that handled this really showed her mercy knowing where she's come from. So he restructured her probation to supervise probation and just made it longer. Um, so, but after Duncan died, March 28th, Shasta released a statement and said, perhaps death will now allow space for some degree of healing, peace, and closure. Mm -hmm. Because as long as he was living, she was tortured by oh my God. His, his presence. Yeah. I mean, the nightmares that she has. It just, that was a fucked up thing. Yeah. And the thing that really gets me is it fucked her up so bad, it's almost like he killed her. Right. Because of what she went through and what she witnessed. I mean, you can never unsee those things. You can never not think of those things. And to be so young. Well, I'm sure she's got PTSD. Oh. From it. I'm sure. I'm sure. But, I mean, how much therapy can you go through? As much as it takes. I agree. I wish that Dr. Phil would have her on because I think that she has really struggled right. in her life. And I don't know how you, I don't know how you fix it. Personally, I think as long as she is not a danger to anybody else, she should just get a fucking free pass. Just give her a free pass. No, because then she'll destroy her life. She needs boundaries. I don't think so. I think she... She needs no, healing. I think she just needs to be the queen of her, of her own island, and she just gets a free pass. As long as she doesn't put anybody else in danger, because... Well, it sounds like that's a problem for her, though. It's, she has put people in danger. Yeah, her children. <clears throat> her so, children. So Hopefully, I mean, my, she's gotten some help along the way, and there's been... Some healing for her. I'm sure there's been extensive therapy well, for we don't her. Know. But we mean, don't, you don't know. I don't know. I just hope, as an adult, I hope that she has figured out, I got to, you know, I got to somehow overcome this. Right. And I mean, something I think, like that is too big to overcome by yourself. I completely Mental agree. Mental health is so important, and it gets so neglected in this country. And people are so ashamed of it. When they shouldn't be ashamed of it. No, they this shouldn't. It's real. It and is so real. deserve help. My thing is, would you be ashamed if you got a kidney stone and had to go get help at the doctor? Right. Exactly. Mental health is the same thing as a kidney stone. Right. Or a gallstone. It's something that you can't fix yourself. You need medication for it or you need some kind of therapy for it. Right. But, you know, you Feeling. do that for... Yeah, I mean, my God, I've... I had shoulder surgery. I'm not ashamed of that. I've been in physical therapy all this time. It's a type of therapy. Right, but but 
And so people shouldn't stigmatize their mental health. And and our country shouldn't stigmatize it. So hopefully she's gotten some help. I really hope so. Please go buy her book, guys, because... Or there may be a GoFundMe out there for her. You don't know. There could be. I didn't see one, but I didn't look for one. Yeah. But, I mean, she just... She's an absolute... She's a hero because she she stayed alive. And she helped solve some cases. She she helped. Some closure to well, the she did. Absolutely. So, she did. And got him convicted for all the things that he was exactly. supposed to. And he did. He ended up confessing to all of it. But. Um, of course he did. At first. He was proud of it. Yeah. Well, and at first he was, he didn't really come clean with all of it. He would mention something, but then. You know, just kind of skirt around it. I'd like to know how long it took authorities to crack the journal that he said would take decades. I don't know, because they took his laptop. I'm sure it took five minutes. Yeah, I mean, please. And I can tell you that that blog is still alive. I don't understand why. Because he has, he had, until he was dead, until just a couple of weeks ago, he had a fucking girlfriend on the outside that kept that blog alive for him. It's insane. And I just think... You're a disgusting person. Disgusting because he talked about his pedophilia. He t- he tried to romanticize his love of murdering and raping and torturing little children. And who the hell? I mean, what the freaking hell is she thinking about? Like, what the hell? Maybe she's also a pedophile. Well, whatever she is, she is. She's just a she's a boil on the devil's ass. Well, wherever they so, I'm going, hoping that, that she be posted. Shame on that network for allowing. I that completely to agree. I have a feeling it's on the dark web. Probably so, but for her to keep that alive the whole time he was in prison, he was fucking blogging. That's so gross. And I just don't think that should be allowed. They should have shut that shit down. Right. But no, he would write letters yeah. to her, and then prisoners and have then, rights. Okay. Well, he wrote, he would write to her and send her the blog in and she would post it for him. How sweet. So, disgusting. Let's eat brownies. God, I don't think that there's enough brownies, but yes, I agree. These smell good. I'll tell you that I've already had some. Okay, that's fine. I ran out of wine. I know, she really did. Before the court case was done. Mm, They are good, though. They are so good. Mm, I love them warm. I love a warm brownie. They're like a big, warm hug. It really is. It's like a fuzzy sweater. Love it. Yeah, but not at South Carolina weather. It's like if we were up north, a fuzzy sweater. No, but I mean, please, if you want to know the truth, we we crank that AC down to like 68 degrees before we do this Well, first of all, it gets hot because we're cooking in the kitchen. Right. And then I don't know what it is about our energy that we stir up so much energy when we're doing this. Yeah. And it really does. It makes us, we get sweaty. Sweaty. <laughs> we get the sweats. We do. So, but anyway, that's the murder. And I, now I need to move on and probably get a little therapy. Good Lord. Yeah. Everybody take a minute. Everybody take a minute. A mental minute. Blow that bad energy out. Blow it out. Woo. Yeah, we need to clear ourselves of this juju. Exactly. So, and just send all positivity to the Sanders family in Columbia, South Carolina, to Shasta Grown, to the Hilly family, to the Hilly family, to Carol, Alabama, Aniston, Aniston, (laughs) Alabama, to Carol and Mike for having a mother that was cuckoo. Oh my gosh. So, and to Mike for his pasteurization. (laughs) 
<laughs> Way to go, Mike. I hope your pasteurization is still going well. Exactly. Oh, gosh, my gosh. Can we talk about social media? Because I, I need a break. Yeah, I'll just run through real yeah, quick. Yeah, you got go. Emails. I'm exhausted. Email us if you want the recipe. Email us if you've got a missing person, something you want us to talk about. Um, our email is murder.sugarcoated at gmail.com. I'm not even, I don't even have enough energy to say .com. It's fine. It's fine. You can find us on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, that's where we post our episodes to the Facebook fan page first. Yep. And that is Sugarcoated Murder Podcast fan page. And you get it hot off the presses. Hot off the presses. And if you want to be part of the fan page, you have to join it. Don't just like it, but actually join the page. We will accept you into the club. We love that. Peasy, peasy. Unless you're the asshole girlfriend of this Duncan dude that's been writing this blog. Well, now that you've said it, I hope you found her name. I do have her name. Oh, good. Okay. Mm -hmm. you know. I have her freaking name. Good. Yeah. I got one so, or two things to say to her. Exactly. So, uh... We post our pictures. You've got the link tree that's on there. If you click on the link tree, you'll find the link to buy me a coffee. Buy me a coffee where you could buy us a coffee. You've got the link to Plum Deluxe Tea where we're ambassador affiliates. So if you yes. click on that link and purchase your tea, we get a little piece of that pie. Mm -hmm. We are doing a campaign for the Buy Me a Coffee right now to try and raise some money to get some better equipment for our podcast. So if you want to contribute to that, let us know. And guys, it's not a lot of money. Or not, don't let us know. Just do it. Just, yeah, just, just do go it do it. And you don't even you... have to use your name. But if you do, we're going to give you a shout out and say thank you because that's how our mama raised us. Exactly. We are on Did Instagram. Did you talk about Instagram? Okay. I don't really know much about our Instagram account because I don't manage that one. Right. It's called at Sugarcoated Murder. Here you go. So easy. At Sugarcoated Murder. Follow us yeah. on Instagram. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Our link tree, our episodes. Listen. We're on like. TikTok if you want to find us on TikTok and, and join us there. Yeah. We haven't done a lot we on haven't TikTok. Done, but we're we trying are, to develop some stuff. There. We're yeah. getting there. Putting ourselves out there like that is a little, that's like breaking out of our comfort zone a little bit, but yeah. we're getting there. We're going to, we're yeah. just. Yeah. And listen, at the end of this month, we have a huge announcement. Huge. Very big announcement. Very big. Big things happening. We got big, big things, things happening. happening. Yes, definitely. So guys, please stay sweet and don't murder. Because if you kill people. We will talk about you and we will not be fucking nice. Very true. Because not people be nice. are disgustingly mean and nasty, and we don't like them. We don't like mean people, but we do like the nice people. We do, and we want y'all to be our friends. Be our friend. And um, so please have a good week. Yes, have a wonderful weekend. I hope the weather is sunshiny and beautiful in your neck of the woods. Yep, and not clouded with um, pollen. Yeah. Yeah, because ours is... Um, a little smudgy right now. It's a little yellow outside. Yeah. So, so, all right, guys. Well, bye. We love you. Bye. Have a great week. Yep. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Believe. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.